Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Good evening, Life Story Church friends and family. I've got to be honest with you, just before we went live here seconds ago, I said, all right, Andrew, are we good to go? He said, if everything works right. And I said, I've got a good feeling about this. I've got a good feeling about this tonight, guys. Do you have a good feeling about it? I hope so. Uh, good evening, good evening. Uh, say hello to one another, uh, would you, if you haven't already, if you see a Life Story Church family member on the feed commenting or watching, or if you uh, see somebody that you've never seen before, a name, just say hello, greet one another uh, with a godly, kindly love, and say, I'm glad that you're here. Amen? Amen. Well, I told uh, Andrew that I've got a good feeling about tonight because I didn't know if you're aware of this, but today actually happens to be the best day ever. Can you see that? The best day ever? That's right, church. It's my birthday. So thank you guys so much for all the birthday wishes that have been coming in. Uh, since even before I woke up this morning, uh, you guys have been flooding the social media and texting me and saying happy birthday. And I've just got to say, you know, uh, thank you from the bottom of my, bottom of my heart. It is truly uh, the honor of a lifetime uh, to be your pastor and to bring the word that God has for you tonight. Um, it truly is. So, oh, what is this now? Shenanigans. Shenanigans are afoot. What is this? Part of my birthday surprise. Oh my. Come here, anybody. Well, well, well. Okay. Andrew, can you come? Or can we not take you away? (laughs) (laughs) They'll be all right. They'll be all right. So, do you want to come too? This is a cheesecake mousse that can. Oh man. All right. All sing together. Happy birthday to Pastor Chad. Oh man. So much. Best day ever. Are you ready? So, on the count of three. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Pastor Chad. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Yay! Yay! And many more. Right? Am I right? Oh, my gosh. Too fun. Best day ever. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Well, before we... uh, Thank you guys for that. That's so sweet. Uh, Before we uh, jump into our message tonight, which I think is uh, timely, as God is always so faithful to bring us a timely word at such an hour as this in the period of history that we're living, I do have a couple announcements to get to right off the bat. We are going to be meeting again this Sunday at the Outdoor Chapel, and all God's people said, yay, amen. So make sure that you guys are there at certain normal service times. What a blessing this has been to meet out at the Rowwood Retreat 
uh, just down Highway 100 past the Loveless Cafe. So it's still right here in Bellevue, but it's so gorgeous out there. The facilities are, are such that we have this beautiful outdoor uh, chapel and facilities for our child care. So guys, it's going to be a beautiful day. At this point, I told you this past Sunday that we're kind of going week by week as to whether or not the weather will allow us to continue meeting there while we're waiting to hear back from Metro about the school. And uh, we got a gr we've got a green light this week because it is supposed to be beautiful this weekend. A high of 80, 85 or 82, I think, right now. That means by the time we're meeting on Sunday morning, it's going to be gorgeous, especially under the cover of those trees and the shade and there was this beautiful breeze this past Sunday so guys this Sunday outdoor chapel 1030 I'm telling you invite a friend think about who who you could invite to come that would actually come and just be touched by God and uh, uh, would love the environment and, and love the fellowship so please invite a friend this Sunday outdoor chapel service uh, the flyer is on Facebook already, so share, 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 okay? Share that. Let your friends, the people who are in your realm of influence, know what God is doing and what, what God is using you to do in building Life Story Church, okay? So uh, also check out the website, as always. I always want to mention uh, in announcements, lifestorychurch.com. If you're wondering who we are, why another church uh, in the Nashville area Check us out, who we are, what we believe, why we believe it. If you want to partner with the ministry, uh, please go there. You can do online giving there. Uh, I tell you what, that has been a lifesaver uh, for, for the ministry in regards to this whole shutdown, not being able to meet in person. So many of you guys have remained faithful with your tithing with you, through the online giving. So please take advantage of that. Be a part of what God is doing here at Life Story Church. Amen? Amen. Okay, one more thing. Not right now if you're on Facebook, but when you're done tonight, when we wrap up here, go over to the YouTube. If you haven't clicked subscribe yet, subscribe there so you'll be sure to get the content we're, we're streaming over there too. Wonderful? Wonderful. All right. So if you've been uh, paying attention online, uh, our uh, sermon, series, or sermon title tonight, really it's the continuation of what we've been talking about since last Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night we covered nation versus nation. Sunday was kingdom versus kingdom. Tonight we're talking about a counterculture. Uh, what does that really mean? Well, to find out, you're going to need your Bible tonight. We're going to do a lot of Bible study, okay? You guys like Bible study, don't you? So Bibles, get your Bibles out, get them ready, because uh, I'm just a lot of what I'm going to do tonight, much like Sunday, is just read you the Bible. <laughs> to be honest, God said it best. I mean, uh, He really said it best. So on most issues, uh, He said it best. But I just, it's my responsibility to offer some uh, guidance. If you looked on the uh, Facebook ad that we posted earlier today, I posed a question to you guys. Uh, if you recall, I just simply said, "Can't we all get along?" Right? Don't you hear that uh, saying oftentimes in pop culture? Can't we all just get along? Right? I mean, obviously the answer is no. No, we cannot get along. We're living in an unprecedented time in history, in the history of our world and in the history of our nation. But with cancel culture on the rise, tonight we will discuss the counterculture movement that we as Christians are called to represent. Did you get that? That was our post from today. Now, for those of you who are unsure of what cancel culture is, it's really quite simple, honestly. It is, uh, it is simply a, a, a person taking a, a no-tolerance position 
uh, for a difference of opinion. Uh, in other words, uh, in other words, if we culturally, as an organization, uh, just say Life Story Church, for example, we have decided to take a position on an issue, and anybody else that does not agree with us, we are going to uh, publicly call them out, point at them, say, shame, how dare you have a difference of opinion. We're going to shout them down. We're going to cancel you culturally. On your uh, online media sources, we are going to hound you. We're going to try to shame you. Uh, if you're a business or a, uh, and this is really uh, more uh, prevalent with celebrities, if you're a celebrity, we're going to boycott your movies. We're going to boycott your, your football games, whatever it is. We are going to cancel you like one would cancel a TV series. If you, if you stand up and you say something that does not fit the narrative, we're going to decide that, if it doesn't fit what I think, then you are bad and I'm canceling you. That's cancel culture. Largely right now, cancel culture is being used by the left to say, if you don't agree with leftist policies or, or Black Lives Matter talking points like defunding the police, then we're going to cancel you. Okay? And we see a lot of animosity rising out of the mob mentality with this cancel culture in mind. For example, can I see this uh, first headline tonight? Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Some would say top five quarterback of all time. Do you, do you have, that head, <clears throat> have that first headline, Drew Brees? Wonderful. This is from Newsweek. <clears throat> I didn't get a full snapshot of the screen because it was going to make me subscribe, and <clears throat> I'm obviously not going to subscribe to Newsweek. Uh, but the headline you see here, why is Drew Brees canceled? NFL star apologizes for insensitive comments that completely missed the mark. He's apologizing. He's trying to get out of being canceled. He's trying to backtrack. Do you know what the comments were that he made that were so offensive uh, to the narrative of the day? He said uh, he doesn't like it when anybody kneels for the flag, for the singing of the national anthem. He'll stand for the flag. He'll, set, he'll stand for the national anthem. He understand, He said, it was really quite a great statement. He said, I understand the plight of, of uh, uh, my black American friends. I, I, I couldn't possibly understand everything that they've been through, so I support them in that. But I also have friends who have been to war and have bled and died for that flag. And out of respect for them, I'm not going to kneel uh, when the anthem is sung. And, and what I think is a very reasonable opinion to have, but, uh, and, you know, people are free to disagree with them. People are free to disagree with me. However, uh, the, the powers that be have decided that he should be canceled for that statement. Uh, so he's received all kinds of kickback, all kinds of flack, and now he's trying to backtrack on those comments. He's trying to get out of being canceled. Here's another one for you. Can I see this next headline? This is about a soccer player uh, played for the LA Galaxy, Alexander Katia. I'm guessing on the pronunciation of the last name. It wasn't even him. His wife actually had posted some uh, Twitter posts uh, about the rioters, uh, calling out the rioters, saying they were acting like animals in the streets, tearing the stores apart, burning everything down. And I'm, I'm summarizing here some very insensitive comments to make, apparently. Well, his wife, his wife is the one who said them, and the galaxy immediately forced uh, 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 Alexander to denounce his wife and say he does not stand with his wife and denounce her and her statements uh, or he's off the team. So he went ahead and denounced his wife to try and get uncanceled 
they denounced her statements, wrote some big apology, and they fired him anyway. That is cancel culture, church. It is intolerance in the name of tolerance. And it's a fraud. It's a lie, of course. Oh, church. What are we witnessing? What are we witnessing? How did we get here? Honestly, do you ever just sit back and ask yourself, how did we get here? I know how we got here, and I ask myself that question. How did we get here? What are we witnessing? As I mentioned this past Sunday, this is not about black versus white. Oh, I might get canceled now for saying that. But this is not about black versus white. This is not a black versus white issue. The media would have you believe that this is a standoff between bigots and anarchists. That's what this is. It's, you know, the anarchists, they won't, they've had enough of these bigots and they're, you know, they're justified in burning down the cities because of these bigots, right? But there, let me say this, church, you know what? There are neither bigots nor anarchists in the kingdom of God. How about that? There are neither bigots nor anarchists in the kingdom of God. Those who stand in peaceful protest, who speak truth to injustice, now with them I will stand all day long. Do you hear me? Do you hear my heart on this? With those who stand in peaceful protest, who speak truth to injustice, I will stand with them all day long because bigotry is an issue that must be addressed and corrected in this world. And racism is a lie church, a lie that must be exposed for what it is. I did my best to take a shot at that last Wednesday night. You can watch that Nation versus Nation on the YouTube page or the, the Facebook history. But it's the peaceful protests, church, unfortunately, that are being hijacked. Why? Because, because there are two kingdoms at war here. Two kingdoms at war in the streets of our nations. Kingdoms of light and of darkness. And what do light and dark have in common? What do light and dark have in common, church? Oh, the words of Paul. What do they have in common? As to how did we get here? As most of you know, you know, I've, I've talked to, honestly, I've talked to a lot about that re here recently. How did we get here? Most of you already know that I largely blame the pulpits. I largely blame the pulpits of this nation for shrinking back on issues of morality and injustice. It's the pulpits that are called to lead the church. The church, which is the largest force for good in the history of the world, hasn't been led, certainly hasn't been led well in recent years. But how did we get here? On a bigger scale, how did we get here? I want to share something with you guys. I've been, uh, Amber and I have been doing some studying and reading a book here recently. And I'm not ready to give you the name of the book yet, but I would like to read an excerpt from it. I don't give you guys anything I haven't fully vetted, and I'm just reading it for the first time. But I love this. I love this excerpt. Let me read. In order to understand this, it is important to look at the big picture. You'll find out the context here as I read. We humans, divided as we are by religion, ethnicity, geography, national identity, and differing governmental systems and economies, have trouble grasping the overall picture that we are one global village. 
We, I love that. We are one global village. Religious and cultural differences and territorial loyalties often prevent us from seeing how much we truly have in common with one another. And we have more in common than, than many would love to admit to. At heart, we all share the same fears. We all share the same hopes dreams and longings. We all share a common desire to be able to control the circumstances of our lives. Consequently or not, we, are, we all are searching for a kingdom in which we are all equal, enjoying the same rights, benefits, liberty, security, health, and abundance. Lives with meaning and purpose and fulfilled potential. There is only one kingdom, though, however, that can offer us such a beautiful employment package, church. It is in this conquest, this conquest, that many fall for lies of the enemy. I fought, in the conquest for everything that I just described, so many fall for lies of the enemy who preys on our most base desires. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and John chapter 3, two verses I want to share with you from Sunday. Let's read chapter uh, 4, verse 3, uh, 3 through 4. Let's read. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan is actively trying to blind, oh my, 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 the blinds of people. They don't believe, they're vulnerable. He's actively trying to blind their minds lest they would see the light. Because if they saw the light, they would see it would shine on them. And John chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Oh, church, how did we get here? How did we get here? From a base desire for, to, to, to find security, to find some sort of control, to find some sort of peace, to find some sort of kingdom where everybody is equal. So Satan has come in and he's blinded the minds of the people. And he's led them down a path of darkness, so much so that they love the darkness. And in loving the darkness, when the light comes, they don't want the light. They hate the light because the light only exposes who they've become. I want to expound on this tonight. I want to do so by examining closer Romans chapter 1. And everybody just went, oh, Romans chapter 1, right? It's about to get real when you dive into Romans chapter 1. Let's read verses 16 through 32, shall we? Paul says, For I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <sighs> Famous verse. Is, the, is this not written on the hearts of every believer who, who loves truth and has stepped into the light and shed the deeds of darkness? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is 
is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, verse 18, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, underline this, who what? What do they do? Suppress the truth. Paul says, let's just hit pause real quick and let me look at this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Good thing not to be ashamed of. And also why? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodly. The ungodly that what? Suppress the truth. And what is the truth? Verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Let's keep reading. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. <coughs> Don't miss this here, church. Excuse me. The wrath of God is revealed to them from heaven. They're suppressing the truth. Oh, worse than suppressing the truth, they know the truth because God has shown it to them. Verse 20. <coughs> For since the creation of the world, His invisible, invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hang on here. <coughs> Clearing of the throat. Sorry, guys. I'm allergic to tree pollen, so I have to balance that out. <laughs> oh, let's keep reading, though. Let's not get off, on tra get off track here, okay? They're without excuse. Here they are. Suppress, those who are suppressing the truth. God has made it aware to them in their own creation. They're without excuse. Let's keep reading verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. And this is huge, church. I'm just, I've said this all the time. You know, when you, when you truly come to an end of yourself and you say, God, just have all of me. Yeah, have everything. I mean, the, the things that I'm ashamed of, the things that I want to keep in the dark from you. We talked about on Sunday about cleaning out the closets, bringing everything into the light. Jesus has not come to condemn. He's come to try and bring us into the light. So leave your deeds of darkness in the darkness, right? When, Jesus, when you come to that place where you want to step into the light and you say, yes, Jesus, you want to take his hand and you step into the light. Oh, church, you let everything fall to the side. You give your heart to Jesus. He seals your heart. When he seals your heart, he gives you a new heart, a heart of flesh. He puts new desires in your heart. Now you want new things. You don't want the old things you did want, the deeds of darkness, but you want, now you want the good things, right? Now you want to step into these good things, right? Oh, well, look what he's saying here. 
Look what he's saying here. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify God, nor were they thankful. When, that is the antithesis of when you receive Jesus and step into the light. The number one thing that happens is you're so thankful. It's out of gratitude that you want to lay down everything that does not glorify him. It's out of gratitude that you want to do everything you can to glorify him. And here they are, as they've been convinced of a lie by the kingdom of darkness and that fork-tongued snake. <sighs> They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 22, professing to be wise, what? They became fools, church. Harsh words, Pastor Chad. You, are you calling all those people down there that are burning down your city, breaking windows and smashing everything up and... Killing cops, fools, you're dang right I am. You're dang right I am. Their hearts have been darkened and the word of God clearly identifies them. They became futile in their thoughts and, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. How much, how much, I'm just telling you, how much news do you have to click through before you see these people puffed up, so impressed with their own ideas, just... Just telling you how, how to think and how wise they are. Professing to be wise, they became fools. If that isn't a sign of the times, I don't know what is. Chapter two, or verse 23, let's keep reading. And what happened? And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Wow. Let's make man more like our image. This reminds me of what we talked about last week. The Fabian Socialists. The Fabian Socialists, what was their goal? To heat up the world from the bottom, heat up the world from the bottom, put new uh, powers that be, put them in place, a shadow government ready to take over, stir up the pot, stir up the riots, get the shadow government in place, heat it up, so then you can whack it with the hammer and remold it closer to the heart's desire. Right? I was been there... For over a hundred years, that has been their uh, uh, stated goal. It's on a stained glass window at their uh, headquarters in London or at some of their uh, institutions in London, I should say. And they say, let us make this world closer to our heart's desire rather than closer to God's hearts and closer to his desires. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's keep reading. Made like corruptible man, verse 23, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. This speaks to how they worshipped these false pagan gods in Greece and everywhere else in the region, Babylon. Verse 24, therefore, therefore, you want it, you got it. God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Oh, church, please. You know, if I've told so many people this in counseling over the years, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you are a born-again believer and your heart is sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, you know when He's telling you to do something and you know when He's telling you to not do something. And if you ignore Him long enough, you'll stop hearing from Him. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. You in your own mind will figure out a way to manipulate his very voice into something pleasing for yourself. So what has God done here? <clears throat> He's given them over 
He's given them over. Let's go back to the scripture. God gave them up to uncleanness. Where we on? Verse 24. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among them. Verse 25. There we go. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Do not trade the truth of God for a lie. And they wor and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged for the natural for for what is against nature likewise also the men leaving the nature uh, natural use of the woman burned uh, in their lust for one another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves underline this we're not dancing around issues tonight receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was do are we stepping on any toes tonight if we are uh, i don't care I'm, I'm doing this with as much tact as i can in the truth in love this is the word of god this is not my opinion verse 28 continues and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting 29, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers. Verse 30, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That one gave me the chills. Inventors even of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Verse 31, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to do the same, but they also approved of those who practiced them. What do light and dark have in common, church? You want to dance around and, and try to have the best of both worlds, or the best of both kingdoms? You cannot. You cannot. You cannot serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other, period. Do you hate the light because it exposes your deeds done in darkness that you secretly love? Hear me, church. Who's your king? Who is your king? So I'll ask again, how did we get here? How did we get here? Those aren't peaceful protesters burning down police stations, I'll tell you that much. Those aren't sons and daughters of light burning down black-owned businesses. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Those aren't sons and daughters of light murdering police and shop owners in the cities of this nation. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Don't you ever forget it, church. The battle lines have been drawn, and they've been drawn for a long time, really. But for, I think, I'm afraid for a lot of the church today and a lot of people in this nation today, uh, they're becoming simply just becoming more clearer than ever. So let me help you. Let me help you if that's you. The battle lines are drawn. And if you don't agree with the narrative or talking points of the left, you can expect that you will be shamed. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, can I see this next headline? Uh, they, they eat their own. 
the kingdom of darkness eats their own. This is a Minneapolis mayor, very far left mayor. He has, he has done everything from telling the police to stand down as, they, uh, as the mob and the anarchists burn down a police station. Uh, he's done everything to facilitate. Uh, so he thought it would be a good photo op if he would go before the people uh, in the Black Lives Matter rally. And don't get me wrong, there are people that have good hearts and good minds at these rallies that think that they're think that they're just advocating for change, but what they don't understand is who Black Lives Matter really is, a George Soros-funded anarchist group that now are calling to defund the police. If, if this much rioting and violence is happening when there is police but are told to stand down, can you imagine for a moment uh, what would happen if there were literally no police? A friend of mine on Facebook actually said, you know, if we're thinking to talk about defunding the police, maybe we should just give them a couple days off and see, see what happens. Already in these, this riotous mess, we've seen uh, violent crimes go up through the roof in all major cities, especially Chicago. Um, can I go back to this headline, though? Sorry, I was rabbit trailing. The, the Minneapolis mayor, the Minneapolis mayor, showed up at this rally thinking, you know what, this will be a good photo op for me because uh, it'll show my so solidarity with the, the movement and, and everything. Uh, he wasn't expecting them to call him to the, uh, when he walked to the front for them to ask him directly, will you support defunding the police, yes or no? And he wouldn't give a yes or no answer. He said, oh, that's a complicated issue. Just because he wouldn't say yes, they ate him alive and they canceled him. They said, they actually said to him, yes or no, keep in mind, we're voting. You're up for re-election. Uh, you know, I tell you what, it, uh, I can't say many good things about the guy, but at least he didn't cave. I tell you what, at least he can walk away with some dignity. However, they did their best not to let him walk away with dignity because as he walked off, they yelled, shame, 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 and they threw him out of the protest, if that's what you call it. I think during the day, they're mainly peaceful. Our anarchists usually get started uh, around uh, sundown because the fires look better at night. I mean, it's that sinister, church. It's, you've got to understand what's going on here. Everybody's being played. It's, it's, it's light and dark. It's light and dark. My goodness. So what's our move? Is everybody thoroughly depressed? <laughs> what's our move? As Christians, as uh, the largest peacekeeping force in the history of the planet, right? Uh, what is our move? How do we counter this culture? Well, my answer to that question tonight is two-tiered. Two-tiered. Uh, point number one. Point number one. Be not conformed. Can we say that for you note-takers? Be not conformed. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Let's read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable when you consider everything that God has done for you out of gratitude. Does this not sound reasonable to you? Verse 2. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world that is, by the way, trying to conform you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is 
what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul gives us then some do's and don'ts. I'm just going to, like I said, the Bible is going to do most of my teaching tonight. First thing, first thing that we do, be not conformed, but transform your mind, Paul says. Then he, as we read in verse 3 on, he gives some do's and don'ts. First, he, go, he talks about what you should do offensively. You want to go on the offense here, church? We're called to, right? Be agents of change. We love that talk, don't we? Let's go on the offense. Are you ready? Verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's a good start. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. Verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. By the way, this crosses tribal lines. This crosses, as the global body of Christ, this crosses tribal lines, all right? This is not instruction for the white church, the black church, the yellow church. The, what, this is the church of God. We are one human race. Remember what we taught last week. All right, let's keep going. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. Verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. I love that. I love the root of that word when you pull it apart in the Greek. Really, part of the definition is rallying. I love to rally the troops. Let's rally each other. He who gives with liberality and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. I mean, that's all. let's take that's our those are the weapons that we wage war with. That's us being offensive, right? That is us being offensive. You don't want to be conformed by this world, get offensive. There it is. Do these things. Verse 9, though, he says, but you know, you got to play a little defense here, too. All right. Offense is attacking. Defense is don't lose ground. All right? Here's how we don't lose ground. My, the subtitle ought by, uh, uh, in my Bible says, Behave Like a Christian. That's a good start, huh? Verse 9, let's read. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Eleven, verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. I love that. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Don't lose ground, church. Bless and do not curse. We're talking about defense here. You're being persecuted. The, def the defensive play is to bless those bless and who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Oy. Verse 17. I could go off on that. I'm not going to, for time's sake. Verse 17. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you. Hear me here, church. If it is possible, if it's at all possible, as much as it depends on you, what? Live peaceably with all men. Be a peacemaker, as we talked about last week. Verse 19, beloved, term of affection. Do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, the Lord says. Therefore, here's where it gets hard, verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil. Remember the context of this whole verse. It is conformity. Do not be conformed by this world. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be ye not conformed. Amen? Somebody say amen. Point two. Seek to transform What's your move, Christian? Number one, be not conformed. Move two, seek to transform. You know, I was talking to uh, my cousin. uh, He's a pastor in Sioux Falls, Pastor Tony Randall, uh, yesterday. And uh, we were kind of talking about what was going on, what's going on in the world and, you know, the sad state of it. you know, hypothesizing what's going on eternally all around us at the same time. You know, and he was looking at some old pictures of uh, my dad. He passed away in the fall of 2018. And he reminded me of something that my dad used to say to him all the time. And it's, it's awesome because it's something that he used to say to me also. And it reminded me, uh, reminded me uh, it, it's just perfect for our, for our subject matter. He said this. Can I see that quote? He'd always say to us, he'd always say, as dark as the world looks and as wicked as people appear to be all around you, not just on TV, but even in your community, you've got to remember that these people are lost. And God would have it that none be lost. God would have it that none be lost. It's easy to look at the wickedness and the anarchists those who are blatantly operating as sons of darkness, it's easy to look at them and say, they're lost, forget them. Nothing. They are lost. And God would have it that they not be. Now, last night as I laid in bed, uh, the Lord gave me this sermon outline, by the way. So I hope you like the message. If you don't, you know, take it up with him. I honestly was laying there in bed, and I thought, what am I going to teach you about tomorrow? What am I going to teach you about? And I started thinking about, I was telling uh, Carolyn and Amber this earlier, uh, I was thinking, of going through the Word in my mind, chapter by chapter, or book by book, and then chapter by chapter, and just kind of asking the Lord to 
as I laid there asking the Lord to impress on me or to push the pause button as I was going through it. And I stopped on one of our, uh, our verse in Romans chapter 12 and the whole outline literally just like came to me from there within a period of like two minutes. So I said, this is probably the, one of the easiest ser sermons I've ever written. These are, this type is always the easiest when God just gives me an outline because then I just need to fill it out. <laughs> uh, but truly, he gave me this. And, and one of the major, fi the final piece of this message that he gave to me uh, in regards to uh, seek, seeking to transform, he gave me the story of Jonah. Final piece was the story of Jonah. So let's read Jonah chapter 1 together, verse 1 through 3. I'll do a little summarizing here. I know you guys know this story for the most part from Bible, Bible school, right? But I... Uh, I think that, uh, or uh, Sunday school, even when we were kids, we learned about this. But I think there's a lot here for us that maybe um, speaks to what we're seeing and dealing with in the world today. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, let's read. Now the word of God came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness. God sees their wickedness. Surely Jonah saw their wickedness. Their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, <laughs> verse 3, to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We all know this story, right? The Ninevites were wicked. The Ninevites were so wicked and evil. I'm telling you, as, as evil as anything that you see on the news or, or as, as much as you see uh, things and people on the news that you're like, oh, how... You see, I'm just telling you the violence that offends the Holy Spirit within us when you see it on the television screen. You know what I'm talking about? I know... You listening, you were, when you watched the TV, a lot of you have just given up on the news because you can't take watching it, but you watch it and you see these shop owners being beat to a bloody pulp for what? Trying to protect their store? Oh my goodness. You see that on TV and you think the wickedness, the evil that is at work in our world, in our local government, and in our national government, it makes us sick to our stomachs. The Ninevites, the Ninevites made God sick to his stomach, for their wickedness has come before me, he said. What did Jonah do? He said, uh-uh. He ran, right? He ran from God. He ran from God. He booked passage, as we just read. God sent a storm. You remember the story? He sent a storm. All of the people on the boats were trying to figure out what, what's going wrong. Why is God against us, right? Even finally they found Jonah. They threw all the cargo overboard. Perhaps God is mad at us. Then they found uh, Jonah hiding in the bottom of the boat, sleeping, sleeping through it, by the way. They drag him up and they say, what's going on? He said, it's me. It's me. It's God. He's, you should throw me over. Still, they didn't want to because they didn't want his blood on their hands. So they prayed and then finally they came to the conclusion, there's nothing else we can do. Lord, don't let his blood be on our hands. This is between him and you, right? They throw him over the side. What happens shortly over they threw Jonah over the side? Anybody? You know it. He got swallowed by a giant fish, right? Even knows. 
swallowed by a whale. Jonah and the whale, a giant fish, swallowed him. He spent three, three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, right? And we find that prophetic significance uh, for Jesus, three days and three nights in the tomb before he came back to life. And while he's in the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed this, Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. He said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice, Sheol. That's interesting because Sheol uh, is a place, is a place uh, uh, for souls after death, a holding place for souls. Uh, uh, and speaking historically, biblically, historically, Sheol. It's a holding place for dead souls. So that begs the question. Some people think that Jonah actually died then in the belly of the whale. And when he was spit up on the shore, God breathed life back into him. Because how could you live in the belly of a whale for three days, right? So was he truly a type and shadow of Christ even in the fact that he died? Meh, I don't know. Fodder, fodder to think about. He spit out on the shoreline though. He spit out on the shoreline. And he goes to Nineveh. Let's read there. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 through 10. There's something for us here tonight, church. So the people of Nineveh believed God. He went, he proclaimed. Uh, they believed God and the people. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Remember, Jonah said, destruction is coming to you. Just I'll summarize. Jonah said, destruction is... All he did was walk in the city, start shouting. Destruction is coming. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Yahweh, the Most High God, you know, they don't have exact words, but he just proclaimed it. That's all he did. The destruction would be coming to them in 40 days, right? They actually believed him. But they actually believed him. So they, they start putting on sackcloths from the greatest to the least of them. They declared a fast. And then verse 6 reads, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covering himself with sackcloth as well, and sat in the ashes. Boy, he's really going for it. Verse 7, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh, verse 7, by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. Even. Verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, uh, sackcloth and, cry, and cry mightily to God. Yet let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Oh, I wish Nashville's mayor would just start crying that. I wish the mayor of, you know what that mayor of Minneapolis needs to say? Instead of walking up there and saying what he said, he needs to walk up there and he needs to say, uh, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Turn from your evil way. Turn from the violence that is in your hand. Rioter and looter. Verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent, he said. And turn away from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. Verse 10. Then God saw their works. And God saw that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Oh, church, Jonah must have done a good job, huh? 
He must have done a really good job of convincing them when he went in there, huh? All the people in the king. Is that what happened? I'm guessing that he really won the argument against them. Don't you think? There must have really been some gotcha moments in those debates on the news channel, right? Gotcha. No? There was actually, there was actually none of that. What did Jonah do? He just spoke the word that God had given him. There was no fierce debates, no gotcha moments. He just spoke the word that God had given him. That was it. Guess what? God did the rest. What's the lesson here, church? The temptation, the temptation is to shrink back. Do you hear me here? The temptation is to shrink back, spare ourselves the trouble. That's what Jonah was trying to do, wasn't he? Spare ourselves the trouble and the conflict, but that is not what you are here for. Do you hear me? I'm going to get fired up. That is not what you're here for. You are the restrainer. What is restraining wickedness in this world? You, the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Hmm. You are the restrainer. You abolish strongholds. You have the authority to abolish the strongholds. You, you abolish arguments. And we do so by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us as we've been studying. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5. Let's read it one more time. We're gonna, we might have to read this every time we get together to get it in us. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Woo! I'm telling you, there needs to be some thoughts in this nation that need to be brought into captivity. Amen? Being bold, church. Hear my heart on this tonight. Being bold doesn't mean that you operate in hate and anger. Being bold doesn't mean that you operate in hate and anger, but in truth. In truth. It's not that easy, I know. Listen to me. <sighs> Who among us isn't angry at what we are seeing on television? Who? If the Holy Spirit resides within you in your stomach, Surely churns as mine does. Who is not angry about what we're seeing on TV with the destruction and the violence? I know you are. You tell me. <sighs> Jonah chapter 4 shows us that, you know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh in part because he didn't think that they deserved to be spared. Hmm. Do you hear me on this? Being bold doesn't mean that you operate in hate and anger. Remember that. Let's read Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to just read it all the way through 11. Verse 1, but it displeased Jonah. Exceedingly it displeased him. And he became angry. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was... Not this what I said when I was still in my country. Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know 
that you are a gracious and merciful God. <laughs> I love this story. I love this guy because he's so us. I know that you're great and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry that I show mercy to the wicked? In other words, verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city, He's angry that they repented and God spared them. He, they were so wicked, he just can't wrap his mind around them not receiving vengeance and punishment. Oh, but what have we learned even tonight, church? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, remember? Let's keep reading. Verse 5, So Judah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He's going to watch. <laughs> Maybe there will be something to see after all, right? Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. The Lord prepared it. That it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Verse 7, But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened, verse 8, and it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a, a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And the, then he wished for death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I love when God asks us questions because he, know, he knows the answer. He's always asking us because he, rather than tell us the answer, he understands that if we have to think about it and come up with the right answer, then it's going to stick, right? Is it right for you to be, to be mad at me and angry about me sparing the Ninevites? And he says, is it right for you to be angry about the plants? And what did Jonah say? And he said, it is right for me to be angry. Even to death, it's right for me to be angry. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who can't discern between their right hand and their left? And a lot of livestock are there too, by the way. I love that he cares about the livestock too. But he sees them. They can't tell their right hand from their left hand and they're dying in their wickedness. But they're mine. Uh, but I would have it that they, I would still have it that they not be lost. Who is it? For who are you to say? Who are you to be angry that they go unpunished or that they are offered salvation? Are you feeling me here, church? He would have it that none be lost. And yes, that means, that means even the people that make you the most sick to your stomach when you watch them puffed up on TV saying things that just are abhorrent to the Holy Spirit within you. 
feel free to not write names down on the thread, all right? He would have it that none would be lost. Let us not forget, church, before Jesus transformed us, come on now, before Jesus transformed us, we were no better than those we now find nothing in common with. And maybe you could say, oh, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. Well, you know, but you did do this and you did do that and you were number one in your life, weren't you? Lost in our own selfishness at a bare minimum. Lost is lost. They didn't know their right hand from their left. And before Christ, neither did you. Neither did I. Mm. If the Ninevites can be saved, hear me now, church. If the Ninevites can be saved, then they can be saved. If we can be saved, then they can be saved. Even the most wicked among them. Church, you need to fight for the peace of the Lord to be upon you. Say, Lord, I'm getting a little riled up here. I need your peace to fall on me. I, don't, I do not want to be Jonah running from the work that you have me to do right in front of me. You are just his mouthpiece. Never forget this. You are just the mouthpiece of the Lord. And therefore, you are his sword. You are his sword bringing truth because you bring his word. Is the sword emotional? Let me ask you that. Think about this for a second. A little mental exercise for you, right? So I can get a drink. Is the sword emotional? Is it even aware what it's doing? Is it? It's the sword. It's a thing. You, you wage war with it, but it's just it's cutting what it needs to cut. What... Nor are you fully aware, let me just say this, nor are you fully aware of the generational, generational curses that you are breaking off of people when the word of God speaks through you and pierces the heart of one who is lost. A hundred different swords may have swung and hit that same breastplate of armor over those who are dying in the darkness, desperate for the light, but they don't know it. They hate the light because they only see it as exposing of them. They don't fully understand it. Anyway, you strike that breastplate over their heart with the, with the sword of truth. You strike it and you strike it and you strike. And a hundred different people have come through and a hundred different people have struck that breastplate in the same point, but it only takes one, the final last stroke, to pierce the armor and pierce the heart of one who is lost with the truth. And for that, God said, it was worth leaving the 99 to get the one. We have to be bold. We have to be bold. Don't get it wrong and don't let a misconceived idea of what it looks like to deter you from action. Speak the truth boldly in love and let the truth do its work. Nobody was ever argued into the kingdom of God. Remember that. I think a lot of us, we become disengaged from the process of trying to be, bring truth to those that 
that are sons and daughters of darkness because their minds have been blinded by the enemy, right? And they're, they hate the light because it exposes their, their sin and exposes their deeds done in darkness. Yeah, we bring them the truth. We bring them the truth. They reject it. And all of a sudden, we just for, we lose interest. We don't want to bring the truth to those people anymore. Why? It's just a big argument. I've got to argue with them every time. It just becomes this big argument. You're not called to have a big fight with them. You're called to bring the truth boldly and let the truth do its work. You don't like me. You don't have to like me. I don't care. I want you to like me. I really do, but it's just the truth. And I'm going to leave this here for you. And you can take it up or not take it up but I'm going to bring the truth, I'm going to speak it boldly, and I'm, not, I'm going to let it do its work itself. Nobody was ever argued into the kingdom of God. Do you get that? But if you're not bold enough to speak the truth to people, church, they may never hear it. Do you, under, do you hear me on this? If you're not bold enough to speak the truth to people, they may never hear it. This is how we counter this culture of darkness. This is how. This is how. With truth and love, be not conformed first. Then seek to transform. You hear me? Be not conformed, then seek to transform. It starts with you. It starts with you being not conformed. Okay? All, remember Paul's words, offensively, got to be offensive and defensive in the endeavor to not be conformed. Because if you're not careful, the stuff you're putting into your mind, the stuff that the enemy is speaking through, through our media, our music, our politics, through through everything. You, it's trying to conform you. They're trying to conform your way of thinking. How do we combat that? With the Word of God. By stepping into and using the gifts that we've been giving. By coming together with the body of Christ to bring the light into the dark places of this world. That's how. Be offensive, yet then be defensive as well. That's what Paul says. Be not conformed, and then seek to transform. And you do that with the truth. And the truth, the word of truth, does its work. That's all, that's all Jonah did. He walked up in there and he spoke the truth and he brought it. And he said it. And you know what? He brought it to people that he didn't think deserved it and he didn't like it. But it wasn't his plant. Who are you? Who are you, Jonah? To, you mourn the plant, but you, you don't mourn these people that I've been watching that I would have not be lost it starts with you. Then, guess what? One opportunity to speak the transformative truth at a time. Look for them. Pray for them. One opportunity to speak the transformative truth at a time. That's it. That's it. Boldly taking up the Word of God and speaking light to darkness. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Close here tonight. I don't know what the Lord is doing in your heart and your mind with this. If you're offended, you're probably gone by now. 
but I hope he's speaking to your heart. Maybe there's one out there that this was a final blow, that the sword finally pierced through the armor and into the heart. If that's you here tonight, I'm telling you, lay down the deeds of darkness and step fully into the light. God would have it that none be lost, even Nineveh lost in their wickedness. Men of God like Jonah thought they deserve the wrath of God to the extent that he was upset when they received mercy, but God wants to give mercy. Oh, church, people, friends, hear me here. Hear my heart. Lay down the deeds of, of darkness. Listen, listen oh so delicately for the voice of the Holy Spirit if you want to step into the light, say this prayer with me. Lift up your hands where you're speaking. Acknowledge it to those around you. And say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, I live. I believe that you did not come to condemn the world, nor to condemn me, but to bring me and many others into light that we might have life and life more abundantly, life eternally. Lord, I gladly lay down, I gladly lay down deeds done in darkness, Father. Bring your light and expose me, Lord. Expose my heart wide open. I lay them down to step fully into your purpose and plan, to step fully into your righteousness, Lord. Throw your robe of righteousness on me, I pray, Lord Jesus. Repent as the Ninevites repented, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your mercy, your unfailing love, your patience with me, Jesus. Now, if you are somebody here tonight, that the Lord is calling you to use and to be that, that force for good and light in the world, and you're realizing that you've been thinking about some things wrong and doing some things wrong, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Transform my mind, Lord. Transform my mind. Lord, aid me in not conforming to this world. Continue to transform my mind, God. And I pray you continue to give me opportunities, Lord, to be a light in a dark place, Father. Not to operate in frustration and hate and arguing, Lord. I, I repent, Father on my thinking on that. That is not how you do I know that vengeance is yours, Father. So I lay down, Father, lay down the vengeance in my heart, Father, for the injustices that I witness, Lord. And I say, have your way with me. Let me be the tool in your kingdom that you'd have me be, Father, to speak truth boldly into dark places, light into dark places, Lord Jesus. Give me the courage, Father, and the opportunity to do so. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, I hope you were blessed tonight, church. Love you guys so much, and we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday morning at 10.30 out at the outdoor chapel. It's going to be so beautiful. It's going to be, and I mean, it's not even going to be like, a, it sounds like a spring day looking at the uh, forecast. So if that holds, it's just going to be an incredibly beautiful time out in the beautiful nature. Uh, I know you guys have been loving it out there, so have we. Uh, we're blessed to have another Sunday out there. Continue to pray for the church. We are continuing to pray for you. Let's link arms and do something special in Nashville, something special, special in this Bellevue community. Amen?
Amen. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He pour out favor on your lives. May He bless you as you sow into this church with, with, with all you are and in every way, Lord Jesus. See your people. May you be blessed and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys. Thank you.